Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. True Hauntings is a Human Labs original podcast. Janolan Caves were known to the local Aboriginal population for many thousands of years as Bunamia, dark places. Here they connected to the earth and her spirits without outside interference. But with the coming of the Europeans and their need to explore and settle the continent, this magnificent natural wonder was soon discovered. It has been over 160 years since the first Europeans stumbled upon the vast openings of the Grand Arch and the Devil's Coach House Cave, and the magic of Janolan is still leaving its mark on visitors today. Most people come and explore the caves for their natural beauty, but as we have discovered, if you are smart enough to venture deeper than what the tourists see, you will find yourself in the midst of the ghosts that remain there and call this place home. Hi, I'm Renata. And I'm Anne. And in this episode, we put on our hiking boots and switch on our headlamps and go exploring one of Australia's most magnificent natural wonders, Janolan Caves. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Hello, Renata. Isn't it great to be back recording another episode? It's awesome. It's awesome. And this episode, again, is really close to our hearts because we have been there and we've done an investigation there. And we've we've got personal stories to share. Yeah, we do. And I can honestly say that I have been somewhat lazy with this episode because we found this magnificent book that was just full of ghost stories. Yes. So I'm just going to pull out a few of them and read them to you. Um, but some of our personal stories are 
pretty astounding as well. Yeah, didn't we have a good time? Oh, we did. We did. Oh, I'd like to do it again, but that's part of the story. Yeah. But but we've had a very exciting development. Oh, yes, we have. We have booked our flights for England. We are flying out in early April and we are coming back the very beginning of May. Mm -hmm. A whole month away. And I have to say that God bless my dad. He gave us a little bit of money to help us get on the plane. Yeah, God bless Dar- Barry. Yeah, Barry. Barry, our patron, our sponsor. <laughs> our, sh- our sugar daddy. Our grandest of poo bars. Um, and he actually allowed us to fly premium economy. I found the best deal on the planet. Oh, it was superb deal. Too good to be true. Too good to be true. And it was. <laughs> Oops. Oh, this is going to be a podcast on its own. Oh, eh? it's, it's a shocker. It. All right. So what happened was I found this great deal on Japanese airlines because everywhere else was so expensive. It was about $5,000 a pop, right? Each, if not more. And I found this one on Japan Airlines, which was 5000 for for both of us mm-hmm. to go to Heathrow. Mm-hmm. But one of them on the way over had a bit of a lengthy stopover. It was 18 hours. And I've gone, oh. But you fly in at 5pm and then back out the next day at 11am. And I thought, oh, well, they've got hotels in the in the airport. Let's mm-hmm. just stay there. Mm, that seems, so I, seems yeah, logical. Yeah, I did due diligence and I have rung Jal Airlines and made sure there was hotels in the airport. And they said, yes, yeah, some of them were closed, but um, there were some there. And then I've rung up the uh, – I haven't rung up. I've, I've looked up the airport and – there was the hotel and yes you could buy things for uh, rooms things so I've booked a room I've got a great deal which included breakfast I was so excited we're going to live a life of luxury cup of noodles cup of noodles (laughs) get my ramen out and um, then I I booked it and they got the message back saying confirming your booking and now in my little notes there I put down um, so I said to them, we have to stay within the terminal because of their Miss Rona rules. Um, they weren't letting any internationals out into Japan. So uh, I got the confirmation back saying, yep, all confirmed. We can do your special request. So I've gone and booked the flights. So excited. We're going to have that luxurious night in a motel, stretch out and sleep before we get on the plane again. <sighs> An hour later, I get a message from the hotel saying, oh, by the way, our inside airport hotel is shut. You'll have to come outside to enter the hotel. And I've gone, no, no, I specifically said we can't leave the terminal. So they've gone, oh, well, sorry, that's the way it is. (laughs) So then I've got on to JAL Airlines and I've gone two hours ago, I booked this flight um, now, I, I I did check that we could stay in the terminal. They said yes, and now they've changed their mind. I I can't stay. We can't come out of the terminal. What do we do? I said, I've got an old lady with me. Awesome. <laughs> she can't sit up for 18 hours. I can't either. No. <laughs> I'm broken. I, I pulled the old lady card. And um, they, they were going, oh, we're very sorry. Let's go check. We'll go check. So they went and checked. They came back and said, we can cancel the flights for you. It'll cost $300 each. I'm going, uh, no. Oh. No. <laughs> Far out. So for their mistake, they want to charge you. Yeah, and then I'm going, but we can't stay in the terminal for 18 hours because they'll boot us out. You're not allowed to be in there. Oh, no, 
You can stay in the terminal for 18 hours. That's okay. Just sit up in a chair for 18 hours. Find a couple of chairs that are joined together. Lay down on them for a couple of hours. That's what they said to you. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, I've got back on to, to Annie Renata. And I said, Renata, I'm so sorry. I was so upset because it was all so special and wonderful. And um, I said, do you want me to cancel it or should we just go? And because by then, this is April, it's quite, it's it's like 90% probable those airport hotels will be back open. So we are going to take the risk and... You may be getting a lot of live feed, so make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Anne and Renata Ghost Hunters, um, so that you can see our live feeds from very bored Anne and Renata trapped in the terminal. No, we'll be sending you live feeds from all of those pachinko machines and things that they have. <laughs> Getting our cups of coffee with the faces on them. So if you've got any tips about Hanada Airport, please, please send them through to us. Please send us a message, please. Because we've got 18 hours to kill. Can't even get into the business class lounge. I will kill someone. <laughs> it's probably going to be me. Whoever will be close by and wants to sell me another cup of Cup of noodle, I can kill them. <laughs> Do you want to tell them about your cup of coffee that you got the last time you went to the Japanese airport? Oh, my God. No, a long time ago we went to Japan. We never were going to go to Japan because it was one of those places where you thought, oh, no, it's just it's too far out of my comfort zone, we, which, like, looking back on it, it was the most fantastic trip yeah, Now ever. she's it keen to just, get me there. It was just, just an awesome, awesome place to be. hours. <laughs> But um, on the way back, we had a transit, and it was only a, a short period of time. It wasn't 18 hours. It was probably like two hours or something um, before we boarded the, on for the last leg, coming back to Australia. And uh, they they told us at the previous airport, oh, look, Japan, look, things are going to be open all the time. Don't worry. Don't buy any of your um, uh, tax duty-free stuff. But you'll, you'll be able to buy it at your last stop before you get to Australia. Yeah, yeah, okay, fine. So, of course, we've gotten off the airplane, gotten onto the um, transit coaches and into the transit lounge. And, of course, they also say to us, this is it. You can't go anywhere else. This is it. And we've looked around. We've gone, all the freaking shops are closed. Like, hey. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember what time of the evening it was. It was late, obviously. But, yeah, everything was closed. We're going to arrive at five, so it's okay. We've got half an hour. (laughs) Everything all closed at 5.30. Nine o'clock they shut. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so everyone's busting for a coffee. And uh, the only place that was selling coffee was this tiny little place shop front thingy um in a corner in a darkened corner of the lounge <laughs> with one poor guy <laughs> with <laughs> sources for eyeballs going oh my god there are all these strange people coming towards all me for these coffee hungry european uh, european people want and food. so I've, of course you look at the um menu and it says cappuccino and i thought gold Gold, I've got it. And so she is I've a gone coffee up, addict. I've gone up and said, can I have a cappuccino, please? Extra hot, yeah, as I normally do. <laughs> and then I'm watching him and he goes to the corner and gets a paper cup. That was my first sign. <laughs> gets a paper cup. And he goes into the instant coffee and takes a spoonful of instant coffee. And I'm looking at my husband going, I don't think they understand what cappuccino is. <laughs> and then he fills it with water from the sink tap tap and then the faucet he, and then he sticks it into the microwave <laughs> and i think 
when I said no, <laughs> no, the whole lounge heard me, and I said, I am. I was angry by this stage. I'm not buying that shit. No, stop right there. Oh, this anyway. is what terrifies me being stuck there for 18 hours with her if I can't get coffee. Oh, my God. Yeah. Don't upset me with coffee, people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's our, our little catch up for the week. It's um, You'll have to follow us because this is our trip from Shitterton to Twat. I don't think we're going to get to Twat, but uh, we'll, we'll see where we're going. We're going to plan it straight after recording this exactly where we're going to go and what we're going to do so we'll give you an update mm-hmm. next episode now guys while we are away there will be a couple of weeks where there won't be episodes of true hauntings we've managed to um back record a few but we won't have enough to cover us for five weeks of being away because essentially we're going to be away four and a half weeks by the time we go to the airport and get back again so um we will do our best but just be aware if we go off air you know why Now, let's get on with the story. One evening, a cave guide was taking a small family group through the Orient Cave. It was very quiet. They were in a chamber known as The Well, looking up at the natural dome far above them. The guide was describing their surroundings when he heard a loud, piercing scream that made him jump. It came from the chamber that they had just left. The man said, what was that noise? The tour guide said, what did you hear? He replied, it sounded like a woman screaming. The guide replied, yep, that's what it sounded like to me. The children started to cry and they all decided that it was time to leave the cave without finishing the tour. So why didn't the guide check it out? He said that he was absolutely certain there was no one else in the cave. They had just been in the chamber from which the sound had came. It's impossible for visitors to get into a cave unaccompanied and there is no reason for any staff to be there at night. Could it have been a sooty owl? Although it is quite uncommon to see or hear one, there are sooty owls at Janolans. They have only ever been in the Nettle Cave, where they roost for literally thousands of years. Sooty owls make a short, descending screech, which is often called the falling bomb whistle. Did they hear a sooty owl that night? The guide doesn't believe so as there is no way that an owl could have gotten into the Orient Cave because of the solid doors in the Orient. It is impossible to hear any external noises, no matter how loud, even if a real bomb fell. So that story today, Renata, actually came from janolancaves.org.au and it is actually one of the stories from the tour guides Mm. that run the tours and they have so many stories. Yep, absolutely. It's astounding and we've had our own experiences as well. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that, tell me the history, oh ancient one. Oh ancient one. (laughs) So before we start, actually, because we are talking about um, a sacred place of the um, Aboriginal people, um, I would like to pay my respects to the Burra Burra people 
and to their elders, past, present and emerging. And I also pay my respects to the land spirits and the elements that are associated with Janolan Caves because you can feel it when you're there, how sacred this site is. Yeah, uh, and we forget that it was used by the Aboriginal people for thousands of years before... Um, before we buggered it up. Yeah, before we buggered it up. Okay, we'll say that because it's true. <laughs> before we buggered it up and said, well, look, we're the most important people here. Push off. Yes, let's we'll, build a fancy yeah, motel and... Uh, we'll bring we, the tourists here yes, to um, and we'll disrespect big, your area. Big doors that lock everyone out Yeah. or in. Yeah, absolutely. So it was important to say that. Yes. So the boundaries, um, or just, sorry, Janolan Caves are in the lands of the Burra people, a clan group of the Gundagara Nation. A clan group is a collection of families and extended families who speak the Gundagara language, but with a slightly different dialect. And I do apologise if I'm not um, pronouncing yeah. that correctly. We're not very good with the native tongue at all. Yeah. Anything so, but English, really. Yeah. Oh, except for you. Polish is good. Now, each clan is identified with a special totem, and there are a couple of clans that are around, um, and the totem is a sacred animal. Yep, for that particular group. Any sooty owls? And probably, yeah. most probably. And it's passed down from the dream time by successive headmen and law keepers. And the totem differs according to where the clan lives. It actually is very, very interesting about these totems, totem animals because the Aboriginal people believe that to intentionally injure, kill or eat one's clan totem animal brings great misfortune on your family and extended family. So um, they kind of really live within all their stories. Yeah. Yeah. So the dream time, and we talk about the dream time, is an explanation of how the earth and all that lives on it was created. And it is a complete religious belief system based upon a spiritual connection to the land, culture, animals, totems, kinship and sacred sites. So for all of these people who contended that the uh, Indigenous people had no structure and were less than human... Mm. It's only because they didn't bother to look. It's just they were different yep. uh, and uh, didn't dress the same way or yep. eat the same way. Yep. So therefore, they must be savages. Yep. Bloody Europeans. Yep. Their culture is based on thousands and thousands of... It's the oldest culture in the world. Yeah. We tend to forget that. And then you get the ones that whinge about the 18-hour stopovers. <laughs> so this interconnection is ongoing and did not just exist in the creation time. Sacred sites, just like Janolan Caves, are special physical and spiritual locations essential to the purposes um, of the tribes, such as initiations. There are sites for men only and women only, as well as sites for all. These are important sites but unlike, say, a mosque or a cathedral, they might not be obvious uh, and significant to non-Aboriginal people. However, great offence is caused when sacred sites are interfered with either accidentally or deliberately. Mm. Um, now, another thing that I found out about this place, which is quite interesting, is that the waters there are sacred waters. They're healing waters. Oh, I didn't know that. And according to the Gundagara elder, old Jimmy Lynch, who lived the latter part of his life... That in is the, a traditional Aboriginal name, everyone. Yep. 
in in the gully in Katoomba until his death in 1913. He said the old natives knew the caves. They penetrated them as far as the subterranean water, carrying sick people to be bathed in this water, which they believed to have great curative powers. It'd be incredibly pure down there. Mm. Sick people were carried there from considerable distances. And like... You know, considerable distance for us might be five kilometres. Oh, no. When they say considerable distances. 50 steps. You can, <laughs> you can believe they were considerable distances. Yeah. Um, and I, I just wanted to add all of that in before I started because it was really important, number one, to pay homage to these um, beautiful people and to their sacred sites and to just alert people that we are talking about um, – a, a natural, naturally occurring, beautiful part of Australia. Um, these caves are quite unique mm. and absolutely breathtaking. And we, and we do have uh, an international audience here. Mm. So I'm finding out, my golly gosh, I have enjoyed getting the messages from people telling me where they are listening from around the world. Uh, thank you for doing that, everyone. But uh, also to give you guys a little insight to our Aboriginal heritage yeah. here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and look, that information came from the Gundagurra people and the information can actually be found on the Janolan Caves uh, website. Uh-huh. Um, so European involvement in the area began in 1838 when the first recorded discovery by a local pastoralist, James Whalen, occurred. However, according to legend, Whalen was not the first European to set eyes on the caves. That honour goes to James McEwen, who was an ex-convict and possibly an outlaw, Ooh. reputed to have been using the caves as a hideout. So over the succeeding years, James Whalen and his brother Charles discovered several openings. And we have 11 caves currently out of a whole system that still hasn't been gotten through Wow! to um, what is open for the public. So 11 caves are open to the public, on and off, I yep, guess. Yep. Um, and the first of them was called the Elder Cave, discovered mm-hmm. in 1848. And it was the first dark cave explored. And let me tell you, when they turn the lights off in there... You cannot see a you, freaking you, thing. You can put your hand in front of your face and wave it up and down. Mm-hmm. You'll probably just end up smacking the person next to you. But you cannot see a thing. No. And you're, you, you'll find your brain starts to do weird things after a little while in that darkness. Mm. So in, <clears throat> pardon me, in 1860, the Lucas Cave, largest of the current show caves, was discovered by Nicholas Irwin and George Whiting. So I'm just going to go through the caves first of all. Um, it was not until 1866 that the caves were brought under direct government control. So in 1867, Jeremiah Wilson was appointed the keeper uh, of the caves. And the Jeremiah a- was the <laughs> keeper. And Janolan is actually an Aboriginal word meaning high mountain. And it wasn't adopted until 1844. Yeah. Did you the, know that? The road into Janolan Caves is another whole different story. Yes. Do we touch on that? Uh, no. Oh, no. please, may I touch it? Y- you may. Oh, you may. Thank you, Aunty Renata. So, despite government oh, control, so she just not keeps yet. Going. Just. <laughs> Despite government control, the caves initially enjoyed little protection and in the early years, visitors were free to break formations and take souvenirs from the caves. 
What? No. So they were breaking off stalactites yes. and stalagmites. No. So the damage is still visible today in caves, including the Elder and the Lucas Caves. Oh, no. Remember what we talked about earlier on about the desecration of sacred sites? Yeah. Mm. yeah. So in the 1880s, Janolan began to emerge as a genuine tourist destination. Jeremiah Wilson was a cave keeper. An extraordinary caver had explored to the end of the Elder Cave. In 1879, he had descended a shaft and rock pile to discover the Imperial Cave. This was soon followed by the discovery of the left Imperial Cave in 1880. This cave was renamed the Chifley Cave in 1952 after the then Prime Minister, or the Prime Minister Ben Chifley, Development began within the caves, including pathways and the protection of the formations. Finally. And an accommodation house was constructed. In 1887, permanent electric lighting was installed. Now, let's go back and you've got these guys down there, right? Yeah. When visitors were going down there, it was all candles. (gasps) Everything is candlelight. So what happens if your candle ran out? I don't want to know. I would, I would be, you, keep, you keep more candles. I'm hyperventilating at the mm-hmm. thought that they run out or they drop the candles into a crevasse mm. and they can't retrieve them. And then they've got they've got to feel, they've got to put their right hand up against the wall mm. and follow it out of the cave. And then there's blood trails through the cave where you've worn it down to the bone because you're trying to find your way out. Mm. And then they go along and you know how they like in Hansel and Gretel where they put little bits of... Um, bread to make a track yeah. i'm sure there would be f- kind of feeling tracks along the way where you go okay i feel this little bit i know i'm on the right track but then you get visitors coming in they break those bits off to take them home and then you're stuck they take they take the bread home no no the bits of the cave the oh, bits, bits of the, of the cave. cave oh get with the you program mentioned, you mentioned bread i'm a carboholic <laughs> oh, what do you expect God. All right, I've got, got a couple of more caves here. Okay, Let okay. me go. So Wilson continued his exploration, discovering the Jersey Cave in 1891 and then the glorious Jubilee Cave in 1893. The present-day cave's house was constructed in 1898 after a fire fire partially destroyed the original buildings. And I've got it's a bit a, of a story about a that. It's a grand building mm. too. Now, by the turn of the century, Janolan was a well-established and thriving tourist destination. However, some of the greatest discoveries Discoveries were yet to come. Mm. In 1903, James Woolbird was appointed superintendent of caves, initiating one of the most sustained and successful periods of exploration. Wilson had concentrated his efforts in the northern limestone, and along with Jack Edwards and Robert Bailey, they pushed even deeper into the caves system. So then they found and discovered the river. And the Pool of Cerberus Caves. I love these names. The names are fabulous. And then you've got the Temple of Baal, the Orient, and the Ribbon Caves. Somebody had a bit of an occult thing happening there. Yes. Um, The time and energy involved in these discoveries cannot be overstated. All exploration was done by candlelight. Just excuse me. Like, freaking candlelight. I mean, would you? No. No, 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 no. No. Could you like, it's all. No. no, Hang on, hang on, hang on. (laughs) It's all electrified now. Yeah. And they've got a light switch. Okay. Yeah. Would you go into the caves? I've been in the caves. Because you won't go into the tunnels. No. 
to go under the caves. I've been in the, I've been in the caves. I'd much it rather wasn't... do a tunnel because tunnels are fortified. Oh, <laughs> I've been in the caves. The the areas down there are huge. Yeah. Now, where people kind of push themselves through these crevasses and these small little holes. I've got a story about that. No, that no, no way. I've got two stories but, about that. Yeah. Um, so yes, the discoveries were the discoveries made by Woolbird truly elevated Janol into the status of world class cave systems. Yeah, I don't think the discoveries would, you know, well and truly they were I'm world special. class. They were world class before that. Yeah, um, they and, just wanted to be special. Yep. So then they opened the River Cave, the Temple of Baal, and the Orient within the next couple of years as show caves. Um, and in the recent years, registered spe- speleological societies, speleological societies, oh. have explored the caves and made discoveries, including the discovery of the spider cave, cave no, in, 19, no. <laughs> in 1975 <laughs> by Bruce Welch. Um, Bruce, you can Bruce, keep that to yourself. <laughs> Bruce, why did you call it the spider cave? Oh, that's what I want to know. Um, and often the question that is asked is how many caves have not yet been discovered? Who knows? And that's, they say, is unanswerable. How long is a piece of string? That's right. That is right. But that's the caves, right? So in early Janolan in an early Janolan Caves guidebook, the difficulties posed by the remote location were summed up as follows. So in the early years, the only way you could get there was to head to Tirana Railway Station. And then you would be picked up by a horse-drawn vehicle um, that the keeper of the caves, Jeremiah Wilson, was um, behind. And he would then take you the 54 kilometres or 34 miles through Oberon. Oh, they went the Oberon Mm. way. And then he would walk you down the last five kilometres into the Janolan Valley. What? So I can imagine those lovely ladies in their long dresses and their their nice little leather boots and their hats and everything. Their little umbrellas. Just going, what the (laughs) freaking hell? (laughs) What? What? So it would have been a huge um, train ride from Sydney in the first place, and then you've got a, four, a horse-drawn vehicle for 54 kilometres. Holy shite balls. <laughs> and then you've got to get off, and you've got to then walk the last five kilometres. Mm. Super. No, thanks. Yes. So said, the want of good roads and the dangers of these perpendicular mountains also, the great want of an accommodation house mitigated for years against this distinct district becoming a popular place for tourists or holiday or a holiday resort. At the time, all provisions had to be carried there by the visitors. So they'd have to not Mm -hmm. only walk five kilometres, but they've got to Mm -hmm. take all of their luggage and their food. Mm -hmm. And this is the piece, piece de resistance. It was necessary to camp and sleep on the rocks under the Great Arch. Oh. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. No, no, no. And we're complaining about 18 hours in a terminal. Mm. She is. Yes, we were. In 1886, the fee for an overnight stay was only two shillings, and that was first class, or one shilling second class. A horse could be stabled for six to eight shillings per day, so it actually costs more to stable your horse than to actually stay overnight. But could you ride the horse all the way in Um, and let it carry all your provisions? I would be paying the money. (laughs) 
or it could graze in the adjacent adjacent paddock for six pence per day. So I'd say yes, you yeah. could. Yeah. In 1887, Wilson erected a two-storey wooden building catering for 30 visitors and characterised by deep verandas around three sides on both levels. That year, New South Wales Governor uh, Charles Wynne Carrington, the first Marquis of Lincolnshire and his wife, rode 45 kilometres on the new six-foot track from Katoomba, staying two nights in this early caves house building. It's a decent drive from Katoomba in our modern vehicles. It is. It is. And it's up and down and it's swirly-whirly. If you get vertigo, take a tablet before you go. I remember, I can tell my road story now, um, uh, when I was a child, the first time I went to Janolan Caves, and I'm not sure what is the reality and what is my nightmare now, but I remember these bends in the road where you'd have to bip the horn Mm -hmm. before you went around the corner because they're could be another car coming and I remember coming around one of those corners and there was a bus and my dad had to pull over to the side of this cliff to let the bus inch past us and it was terrifying Mm -hmm. absolutely terrifying now we were there not long ago Mm -hmm. and it wasn't I don't remember it being like that at all I think that my brain has sort of put in these Terri- more terrifying images than what it actually was. Uh, look, I, I remember I went um, oh, well and truly 30 years ago and um, it was still pretty terrifying then. Mm. <laughs> yep, no guardrails. Just mm. just get, get your car over to the edge of that cliff. No, you put yours over there. Yep. So during 1888, there were 1,829 visitors and so they had to push forward to um, approve the accommodation. So in 1890, Wilson demolished the original small kitchen. And you've got to give kudos to this guy. He built this whole accommodation complex Yeah, there. and you'd have to carry everything yeah, in. Yep. So in its place, he erected a two-storey wooden building uh, alongside the original main building in the same style as the main building with verandas. And um, he made it more comfortable and so the tariffs were raised to 10 shillings per day for adults and five shillings per day for for children and servants with cave costumes available for hire (gasps) or cave costumes (laughs) i wonder what the cave costumes were as baal and cerberus (laughs) probably now there's a new road from katoomba via hartley Right. So, I think that's the road yep. that we we went in last yep. time. Uh, I don't remember. I don't know if I've ever done the Oberon Road. Yeah. No, we haven't. We haven't. Can we try it? Or oh, we can. Yeah. Uh, and that offered a more direct route with tra- route with. Tra- <laughs> <laughs> I'm trained up. I'm trained up. With- oh, I'll never miss the opportunity for a route route. <laughs> I prefer a direct route myself. <laughs> Not uh, with an 18-hour stopover in between. <laughs> no. Uh, with travels alighting at Mount Victoria Railway Station, where we were only days oh, before. Yes, yes. So we've literally just done kind of part of that road. We have. Yes. We've rubbed shoulders with the past of yes. the Janolan Cavers. Yes. So a horse-drawn coach costs 30 shillings one way and 40 shillings return. Oh, <laughs> Like you don't want to stay there. You've got to pay the 40 yeah, shillings. Gonna, well, I think it's uphill on the way oh. back, so it's a little bit harder on the horses. Oh. 
uh, meaning that a visit to the caves and a stay in the caves house is still out of the economic reach of the ordinary person. As it is today. (laughs) Yes. Yes. In February 1895, Prince Francis Joseph of Battenberg stayed the night at Janolan Caves House and inspected the caves. Um, now, while Wilson was the keeper of the caves, a mysterious fire broke out, and it's still a mystery today how it started. And why, in 1897, did the New South Wales government replace it with a grand hotel seemingly in the middle of nowhere? That's very interesting. Because there was some politician involved that wanted it there. Well, the thing was that by that stage, <coughs> by that stage, word had gotten out that the cult of Walter Regret had got away. <laughs> no, forget it. Yeah. Now, that's uh, my relatives you're talking about. Yes. That Janolan Caves was now a worldwide thing. People were coming to Australia to go and visit Janolan Caves. Ah. So you had people, right, decently rich people from overseas coming. Now, the fire was discovered in at 12.40 a.m. and quickly took hold of the wooden buildings. The intensity and quickness of the fire was so bad that Jeremiah Johnson, the keeper of the caves and the lessee of Caves House, was forced to run with his family dressed only in their night clothes, along with some of the visitors that were staying that night. So they lost everything. Oh no! So one of the one of the, the things was that they believed that Jeremiah had done it, caused the fire, and you think, well, why would you do that if your livelihood depended on it? Yeah, yeah. And he lost everything as well. So after two hours during which the flames lit up the mountains, they and succeeded. They do too. Yeah, they succeeded to stop the fire, but the complex was in ruins. The original cave's house dating from 1880, along with its kitchen. A billiard room and a new two-story building were completely and totally destroyed. Wow. So although partially insured, Jeremiah Wilson declared himself in no position to rebuild and his lease was resumed by the government. Oh, Mm. I feel sorry for them. So the new lessee was Harry Curzon Smith, who had made a fortune from railway refreshment rooms, essentially in the days of the steam oh, trains. Oh, we were in those too. We were in a refreshment room. The Mount room. Victoria refreshment yes. room where they've got a fabulous museum. Yes. And back in the old days, now Newcastle, where we live, also had a refreshment room at the, at the I railway know. station. I'd been in it. Yes. I remember my nana taking me in there for a cup of tea. And apparently, like, they were spiffy joints. I mean, oh, yeah. you you had to be dressed really well and they brought out their silverware and the best um, crockery and, and cutlery. And, and, and it really was sit, silverware. Yeah, you had to sit like a lady and a gentleman to be in the refreshment rooms. Um, I bet you the toilets were a little bit more sanitised than they are today. <laughs> oh, you do not go to the toilet on a train here. Uh, so Smith's aim was to provide high quality accommodation at the caves to attract wealthy tourists into the Blue Mountains because remember, no normal person could afford this bit of luxury. And now what I've been doing here is while Renata's been talking, I've been jumping on to have a quick look at the interwebs to see what the prices are, are like at the moment. And you have to book a um, two-night, mm-hmm. and it's only on weekends, mm-hmm. and you get a two-course dinner and breakfast, two nights accommodation in a uh, classic caves house room. And that is, that is, oh, it's on special at the moment. Down to six hundred ninety-four dollars and sixty cents. Oh my god! Which is about fifty bucks American. No, uh, 
Um, yeah, so... Wow. Yeah. Remember the uh, event that we ran there? Oh, we cracked it so lucky. Oh, it, we was was, it was a one-off. It was. It was a one-off. And the staff loved us. Yep. They came in and joined in. They were telling us all their stories. And then they had a change of management. And we went to go and book another one. And it had tripled, hadn't it? Yeah. Yep. The price had yep. tripled. Yep. And it was not cheap to start with. Yep. So we just had to abandon it. Yeah. Which is such a shame. <sighs> so, as I said, Smith's aim, he was the new lessee, and I'm nearly done, um, was to provide high-quality accommodation at the cave so the rich people could afford it. Um, it became very fashionable for well-to-do people in Sydney to escape the summer heat and the humidity. And we go to the mountains. We'll if spend we get some fresh air. Yes, we'll, we'll spend a week or two get up in the mountains. Get away from the low lifes of Sydney. Mm. And, of course, holidays and honeymoons uh, in the Blue Mountains became very, very trendy. Um, and um, just before we recorded this I was reading to you um, some of the notifications in the paper where um, young couples would go up to Janolan Caves yes. and have their, their wedding their honeymoon. And, and then stay for the honeymoon mm. so the government architect Walter Liberty Vernon drew up plans for the new caves house and the new building was an elegant and spacious building in the Sussex Weldon style popular in England giving the hotel an instant air of age, charm and respectability and it was built in 1910 um, with all the traces of the original complex gone. Now uh, rumours abound even to this day about the original uh, fire and how it started because back in those days if it was going to start in the kitchen the kitchens were built separate from the main house mm -hmm. um, always in mm -hmm. those early years so that if a fire started because at it least, was common to have yeah, fires at least you could put it out outside and it wouldn't damage the main house so they kind of think that it may have been an upturned oil lamp or a log that fell off an open fire there were f kind of open fires everywhere um, you know in the winter and now fires burning. They it's very, very easy. They to didn't do. exactly have an FIU team no, there, uh, no. fire investigation unit. Yes, to go and work out exactly where did that start from. Absolutely, absolutely. But over the years, many, many famous people have stayed. <gasps> oh, I love famous um, people at at the. Uh, Caves House, mm -hmm. yep. Um, and, of course, over the years, uh, many extensions have been put on oh, as on. well. Oh, hang on. Who are the famous people? Uh, well, we've got Victoria Cross Medal winner Private John Jackson in 1918. I'm sure wow. that was before your That's time. That's a real name drop of that one. <laughs> <laughs> so famous that it's just burned into my memory. <laughs> and can you believe this? In 1919, a deluge completely submerged the ground floor of the a building. A deluge? I've not heard of that person before either. Adele Huge? That's an unusual name. <laughs> During the Spanish influenza pandemic in 1919, Case House was closed for several weeks and it was used as a convalescent home for nurses who had become infected. Oh, that's lovely. In January 20, 1926, highly decorated British Field Marshal Edmund Henry he Heinemann. Heinemann? Heinemann. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, Alan B. Doesn't, the, the, Alan doesn't your last name? Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> 
in I know that in England sometimes your last name used to show what your um your uh, apprenticeship or your your craft was. So if his last name was Heinemann, what no. what was his craft? No, 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 no. no? Edmund Henry Heinemann. Allenby, first Viscount Allenby and his wife stayed overnight at Janolan Caves. England's Prince Albert, Duke of York. Now that's a big fancy name. And his wife, Lady Elizabeth Bowes Lyon, Duchess of York. Um, and later, King George the Sixth and Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, Ooh. stayed overnight at Caves House. Oh God, I hope they put her in a better room than what we were in. Now, in 1942, Caves House was nearly forced to close due to wartime transport problems. Um, but, like you know, after the war, it, the the numbers that could go there because of uh, the motor vehicle motor becoming vehicle. becoming uh, available for people just became more and more prevalent and if i remember going there um like i said a long time ago and when you walked into the area where the caves were there were thousands of people on the weekend thousands it was horrendous it was it was like the tower of london it was packed (laughs) it was jam-packed so um yeah it's a, a massive tourist attraction in um in New South Wales. Yeah, if not Australia. If not the world. That's right. Okay, let's head to the ghost stories. Oh, this is time for me, is it? It is. Okay. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Now, before we jump into the ghost tours, um, I have a funny, a few funny little stories to uh, relate to uh, or for you guys to hopefully relate to. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Um, remember the car do you remember the car when we were there so oh, you have the cave's house <laughs> yeah. and then you've got to drive up a sort of a little bit of a u-bend turny thing to get up into the car park mm-hmm. and um there's some little drop-offs to the side so you sort of got to turn nice and wide and come back around well there was a car with some so we'll say elderly drivers mm-hmm. around Renata's age. She's going to hit me. <laughs> You're too far away. <laughs> She's going to find a stick. Uh, and they had not swung wide. No. They had just turned. Mm-hmm. And they got their car belly stuck on the the side of the road mm-hmm. and they couldn't go backwards they couldn't go forwards the car was pitched at like a 45 degree angle with mm-hmm. all these people hanging on for grim death inside they couldn't get them out of the car they were just stuck in there and in the meantime people are sort of running around frantically trying to find a tractor or something that they could use to pull the car back up yeah. or push it down or do something I've got a video somewhere. I will see if I can find it and put it up onto uh-huh. the page. It it was – I know we shouldn't laugh, but it was very funny. Mm-hmm. It was. And I have a story about when I visited the caves when I was at school. Mm-hmm. Now, that makes me wonder, maybe we were in the bus. Remember I was telling you that I thought it was my dad driving the car? Mm-hmm. Maybe it was we were in the bus and there was cars that were having to back up and I was freaking out. Maybe that's what it, my memory... Because you know as you get older, you it all goes into mush in your brain. You mm-hmm. know that well. <laughs> right. Um, I remember being taken into the caves and I think we must have been year six. Uh, so I was around about 11 and our group was taken in by a lovely guide and then they've gone, all right, guys, I want you to all scoot through this little opening here and you're going to climb up this this rock that has slipped and um, then I want you all to sit up the top there. So he's shining the flashlight for us so we can all scramble up there and I noticed that the surface was quite damp and wet and a little bit slippery. So we've scrambled up to the top and we're all sitting perched up there and then he turns the lights out and it was pitch black mm-hmm. it was terrifying year six kids mm-hmm. find this terrifying so then they've gone okay everyone we all need you to get out now and so he's put the torch on and um i was terrified mm-hmm. because this slip this rock face i couldn't see where if i slipped on it where it was going to end up because mm-hmm. it was pitch blackness down below he hadn't shone his torch down there to show it's okay. That's mm-hmm. just coming to it like ground level. 
So in my little 11-year-old imagination, that was the pit to hell. And mm-hmm. if I lost my grip there, I was going to slide down and down into Satan's mouth. <laughs> yep. So everyone had scooted down and um, I was still sort of perched up there. And then the, the boy in front of me went down and I, I was left there by myself mm-hmm. and the light went away. Oh. And oh. I was sitting there going... <laughs> Um, and I was really shy and quiet. I know you find that hard to believe, people. <laughs> I was so shy and quiet. And I'm going, hello? Uh, help? Help? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> then I got my voice up a little bit louder. And then someone's gone, is there someone still up there? And I've gone, yeah, me. And they've gone, well, come down. I said, I, I can't. I'm too frightened. I'm going to slide. And so one of the boys in the class had to come and rescue me. Mm-hmm. That's mortifying when you're 11 and a boy has to come and rescue mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And his name was Alan. And I do remember that. Anyway, he scooted up to the top to, to help me get back down. And um, he's like, take my hand. I'm like, cooties. Um, and then he's he's helping me get down. Of course, I was so nervous that I farted. <laughs> But it was, it was a silent one. It was silent, but it smelt like Satan had come off from the depths. And he's turned around to me and gone, did you fart? So now not only was I not brave enough to go down the slope by myself, I had to get a boy rescue me, but now I farted and it stinks. There was no coming back from this. I died and went to hell that day. And I've got no, no, I didn't. It's just the smell of the cave. Anyway, he's got me down and got me out and I was just mortified for the rest of the trip. But thank you, Alan, for getting me out of there. I would have still been there to this day because no bugger had noticed I was gone. Oh, so that's my story. That's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful memory. <laughs> I had to one share of your traumas. <laughs> I like to share my childhood traumas oh, with everyone. Oh my Lord. All right. So now the um, the stories that I do have for you today have come from a, a wonderful little booklet called The Ghost Tour Janolan Caves. And it was put together by Rob White and... A lot of these, I think he was a, a, a tour guide himself. So a lot of these are his stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the story that uh, we started off with was one of the the um, stories that he had come up with. Um, there is also many more. So I'm going to read just a few more mm-hmm. uh, so you, you get an idea of how haunted this place is. Now, this one's called The Lady's Arm. And we're talking about... Uh, a. March 2014, not that long ago, this is another cave guide, was running the Legends, Mysteries and Ghost Tour in the Mud Tunnels near the River Cave. I just love the names. The discussion of belief came up. One of the visitors asked whether he believed the caves really are haunted or was it just made up? And at that stage, there was a lady that was in the group with them and she said... I believe they're haunted because I've had an experience myself. She had stayed in the cave's house the night before in room 211. So if anyone wants to book a room there, 211. Uh, And to her absolute horror, she saw a ghostly arm come through the door of her room so that the door was mm-hmm, shut mm-hmm. and this arm has gone straight through the door no body just an arm 
but it had a lace cuff. So she could see that much detail Mm -hmm. that she could see it was a lace cuff. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now, this one is also really good. Um, You've heard of Shared Dreams? Yes. This one's about a family that came to visit Janolan when their two daughters were young. Now, they stayed on the second floor. Hello, there mm-hmm. we are. Two one go. one. Could two be the second mm-hmm. floor? Looks like that's the the floor to be at um, of the cave's house. Oh, but the girls pestered their mother to go up to the third floor. Mm-hmm. But the mother insisted that there was nothing to see up there, as it was just the same as the second floor. So they never actually went up there. Fifteen years later, they visited Janolan again, and they were talking about their last visit and having a great time remembering everything that happened. One of the girls told her sister and mother that 15 years before, after they had not been allowed to visit the third floor, she dreamt that she went to the third floor anyway, and she and her sister were floating around the room. In the dream, their mother came upstairs, saw the girls, as well as an older lady in a rocking chair. Mm. The mother beckoned to the girls to come down, and the lady in the rocking chair calmly told the mother that the girls were only playing. The mother and the sister both said, no, that was my dream. All three of them had had the same dream, (gasps) but none of them had spoken about it until they returned to Janolan Caves 15 years later. Wow. I've got goosebumps. That's crazy. Isn't that a great one? I've got another good one here. Now, since we all thoroughly enjoyed the the Temple of Baal as a name. I thought <laughs> we have to do one. So this is the Orient and Temple of Baal Gates. Oh. We have a story about the gates. So both the Orient and the Temple of Baal Caves connect to the river cave via the mud tunnels. Uh, at the point where the Orient and the Temple of Baal tour ends, a gate across the path to stop tours walking too far. So the guides working in both the Orient and the Temple of Baal caves have reported that the gates start clanging for no apparent reason. Mm, there's in, definitely no wind down there. No, no unless I fart. <laughs> And then you'll know because it smells like Satan. Um, in the Orient Cave, the, gave, the, the gate normally clangs when staff are in the cave doing maintenance. In the Temple of Baal Cave, the gate has also clanged when there are groups in the cave. One guide had it happen so frequently to him in the Temple of Baal that the gate had to be chained shut to stop it from clanging. Oh. But I, I wonder if they've got... I know they do have gates and things up on the entrances because we were in that you, you drive through a big open cave to get into mm-hmm. where the cave's house is and they have these big metal gates on the the caves and i'm wondering if you opened that that it might cause a draft somewhere within the caves but to make it rattle and clang mm. yeah <coughs> weird now of course we've got to go for the beast I'm bringing up all the sulfur ones. So some new guides are told stories to unnerve them. Now, look, I know that this is true because they used to do this at Q Station where I worked. Um, They would tell the new guides all the most horrible stories of Q Station and then send them out by themselves to deal with it. Fantastic. Um, Just as, I mean, they need to know that um, if they've got a group of people that the tour guide isn't going to run off scared. Wouldn't want that to happen, would we? No. No. Apparently. No, we're not going there. (laughs) 
What can I say that? As I said, they told some of these stories to unnerve them. One of the stories concerned the beast that lurks in Katie Bower. Sorry, the beast that lurks in Katie's Bower in the Chifley Cave. As the guide walks through the passage to the flitch of bacon. Apparently there's a, a formation that looks like streaky bacon. I do remember that. I remember them saying, that looks like bacon. I went, oh, bacon. <laughs> I do love bacon. They became aware of something following them. Initially, it can be heard walking behind them. As they hurry to get away, the beast keeps pace. The new guide will start to run for the gate, the beast racing just behind them. Of course, what they were hearing was the echo of their own footsteps. Oh, yes. So this is the problem with the caves, that the echoes will Mm -hmm. go on and on for eternity. Bouncing back and forth. See, your fart fart is still bouncing around. (gasps) My fart's still in the cave. Still bouncing around. I wonder if we can find it again. I'm (laughs) sure I'd recognise the scent. Surely I'd recognise the scent. Um, I do remember another thing too, and like I'm not good in confined spaces, Mm -hmm. uh, and... There was one of the tours my son and my husband went on and they they go cave caving and they have to wear these overalls and they've got the headlamps on and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And they had to prove that they wouldn't freak out because they have to go through what's called a U-bend where they go in head first through a narrow space and they've got to basically, you're almost trapped you're so it's so tight around your body and to be able to get out the other side no 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 no. why would people pay money to do that (laughs) no that makes no sense whatsoever (laughs) you are insane if you like that crap (laughs) no (sighs) i think the biggest risk we're gonna take is a microwave cup of coffee in the (laughs) japanese airport (laughs) unless it's a demon and then we're in there (laughs) All right, I, I've, I've talked. There is so many stories. Um, there is. All right, we'll, we'll do two more. Right, uh, the lost tour in the Elder Cave. Many visitors ask the guides if anyone has been lost in the caves and never found, as if they're going to own up to it. <laughs> no, we haven't lost any 11-year-old girls in the tunnel. <laughs> Fortunately, no one has been permanently lost in Janot. <laughs> They found their bodies eventually. <laughs> that one group came very close. It was in the Elder Cave during the 1870s. Uh, they must have been su- sufficiently lost that they started to draw up a memorial to themselves. Oh, oh. Writing on the cave wall. Visible to this day, the inscription reads, Sacred to the memory of, followed by the names of the people in the party. We know that they made it out of the caves, so the mention of the, the party members have been found many years later in a local newspaper. Oh, dear. So this is how ghost stories and legends start. Yep. And, yeah, that's one. Before I go to the, the last one, um, we have to tell them about our experiences. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, Renata? The, the, mo- the thing that stinks, stinks, stinks. <laughs> It's <laughs> <Ed's> fucked. <laughs> the thing that sticks in my mind is the the horrendous um, fart. No, <laughs> uh, the horrendous internet connection when you're there. Good <laughs> oh, on you. Yeah. We're trying to get internet everywhere. You'd be standing up on couches and hanging out the window <laughs> and trying to get that that sweet spot. And I remember I was doing a live. 
and we formed a human chain yes. from inside to outside. That. Yes, <laughs> because it was uh, it would um, the signal would travel from body to body to yes. body, and it worked. It worked. We had ten or twelve people hanging on to each other from inside to outside. So they were in the spot where the internet was. Yes, and I was outside with the bloody mobile phone. This is what we do for you people, so you can get a live feed. <laughs> Trying to finish off a live feed because they kept on cutting out all the time, and we formed a human chat. Yeah formed a human chain it was amazing yeah and do you remember doing the the table work in the dining room yes we had to wait till all the guests had gone and then they let us sneak in yes to speak to i think it was miss chisholm yes uh and they wanted us to see if we could make contact and i remember that we actually had quite an active session we did and and, and there was a problem between her and another resident that's ghost. right yeah they were fighting for authority yeah in the dining room space yeah Yep, so it was one of those cases of this is your portion and that's your portion and you both stay at your ends and everything will be fine. Yeah. But Miss Chisholm wanted to rule the roost and, and so it should have been. Mm-hmm. But there was a, a young whippersnapper that came in and decided she was a female. Yep. She was trying to climb the ladder. Oh, well, I, there was one other thing that happened, which for me was a quite profound experience. Obviously burnt in your mind. No, that was downstairs. Downstairs in the, in the kitchen in area. In the kitchen area. Where yeah. we did a spirit box session. Yeah. And we had people on headphones. I think it was one of the earliest time that we actually used the headphones. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I was on the headphones at the time. And we distinctly heard someone whistling a tune. Yes. Yes. So I, I remember saying this, that we can hear someone whistling. Now, there was no radio down there whatsoever because mm-hmm. we were down in this valley mm-hmm. surrounded by limestone cliffs and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was nothing. Mm-hmm. And this whistling, and we had some of the staff there with us, and they're gone. <gasps> it's the whistler. It's the whistling ghost. It's the whistler. Apparently, they've heard this whistling ghost Yes. In the caves. Yes. And we heard it through the spirit box. Yes. And the best thing was we said it before they prompted us. Mm-hmm. Isn't so that awesome? you guys didn't know anything about the whistling uh, ghost at all. Yeah. It was only after they um, after they heard you yeah. say we're hearing a whistle that they all went, <coughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. We're going to finish up with one more story. This is a guide whilst walking through the Lucas Cave collecting litter. How could people litter in there? Decided to pause for a while in the cathedral as he checks some of the tracks on the CD player, because they do have music they play down there. He became aware of a dark figure on the other side of the chamber. The figure made no acknowledgement of the guide, and when the guide shone his torch at the figure, the light mysteriously died. I would freak out if my torch died down there. I would be peeing my pants. (laughs) Turning the light away from the figure, the guy then found his torch started to work once more. It was at this point that he started to realise that the figure was not human but more ghostly. Mm. As he progressed through the cave, the figure followed in the distance. Each time the guide shone his torch in the direction of the figure, the light would die. Yet, as soon as he faced the opposite direction, the light would start to work again. This happened throughout the cave with the guide accepting that it was simply one of the Janolan ghosts keeping an eye on him. Yep. 
and probably that is exactly what it was. Yeah. We're talking about very old elemental spirits mm-hmm. that are connected to the caves and to the sacred waters there. So, yes. Now, my the only little bit of debunking I'm going to do here is, I mean, we've offered some suggestions as we've gone through on some of the ghost stories, but this was all written by one person. Mm-hmm. So we have the viewpoint of one person. Um, there wasn't a lot more out there and what we could find seemed to be repetitions of mm-hmm. the stories that are within this book. Not saying that this, this person's made it all up at all, but when you're looking at trying to get a history together mm-hmm. of a location, it's hard to then pick through mm-hmm. and and get to the truth when you've got one person's report. Mm. But in saying that, we've had experiences ourselves there. So, Renata, is this a true haunting? I think it is. Well, I think it is because we've had experiences ourselves. And I want to go back. But maybe when the prices come down a bit. Yes. Yep. And those that came with us that weekend, consider yourselves mighty lucky considering what the prices and everything are at the moment. And look, anyone coming to Australia, I would definitely say put Janolan Caves on your bucket list because it is an amazing experience. Um, The place there is truly something to um, have as a memory of something that you did while you were alive. It's certainly worth it. See if you can find my fart in the cave. (laughs) And then write in an email and say, I found it. (laughs) Still smells like Satan. It's okay. (laughs) Look, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of True Hauntings. If you'd like to become a financial supporter of Anne and Renata, we do have a Patreon account and we would appreciate your support. Just look for the Grand Poo Bars. It's $10 a month uh, or more, depending on what you want to donate. But then we'll add you to a little secret group where we'll give you little bits of gossip here and there and some uh, readings as well. Uh, But that brings us to the end of this week's episode make sure you share us around let the world know about us and we'll see you on the dark side and stay spooky bye guys thank you for listening to this episode of true hauntings if you like the show give us a five star rating and leave a review subscribe on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you're listening right now For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.anneandrenata.com. True Hauntings is a part of the Human Labs Podcast Network. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. 
It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.